What's up, everybody? All you beautiful people out there, welcome back to Life's a Garden. Hope you guys are having a great day. Hope you got a big smile on your face and that you're living your life to the fullest. Because if you're not, well, buddy, you got to change that. Because life is much too short not to reach for the stars. You got to pursue your dreams. Achieve a goal. Do something. Overall, more than anything, you got to be happy. Be positive. Because if there's one thing we know in this life, it's that we all love to feel joy. There's not enough time for negativity. Promote that positivity. Lift somebody up. Lift yourself up. And then we can all be happy living together in this garden of life. Let's get into the episode. Episode 58. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Sincerely appreciate it. I want to start off this episode by thanking everybody who came out to my band's show the other night, Saturday night. My band Cutthroat played at Craft Local. Um, God damn, that was probably the best show that we've ever played. Let me just start you off with how my day went, and then we'll just we'll lead up into the show. So, went and had breakfast at uh, Hooligans by myself. Then I went to the Montana Brew Fest, which we, we, start, we started that at 1 o'clock. Now, let me tell you, it was hotter than a motherfucker. So, we're sitting there just, just so everybody's clear. What it is, you get a little glass, you purchase a glass, you get 10 drink tickets, you go around, there's a bunch of breweries set up, just little tents, and they got like four or five signature beers, or ones that are, you know, seasonal beers maybe, and you just get to like, you know, you get your glass filled, you give them a ticket, and you're just testing out beers. So we're sitting there day drinking, sipping on, you know, high alcohol I high alcohol content microbrews with the sun beating down on us. Luckily, one of my buddies brought some uh, sunscreen because I would have roasted out there. Now, sunscreen is basically that UV light prophylactic. That's your protection. Because a sunburn is... Is a sunburn nothing more than an ultraviolet STD? Think about it. You get that fucking, that protection on you, you're good. You're good to go. Look at me. I'm, and this, and if I don't wear sunscreen, I'm Johnny Lobster. Okay? I look like, I look like a freaking devil. I'm, I'm that red. I'm redder than the devil's ass cheeks if I'm not wearing that that UV prophylactic, okay? That's that sun condom. 
That's what sunscreen is. And so, fortunately for me, you know, usually it's the ears, it's the nose, it's the neck. We're good, baby. No worries. And we were out in the sun, like, legitimate for a while. There was no shade to be had. If you wanted to get drinks, you were in the sun. But it was a good time. They had live music. Uh, it was with some friends. I Drew from the band was there. My buddy Craig, who's been on the show. We all went out. Drew's uh, now fiance. But he, you know, Drew from the band, he just had a baby. Now he's engaged to his lovely fiance, Carolyn. Congratulations to them. Uh, she came out. So we're out there till about 4 o'clock. And I got a show to play that night. You know what I mean? And I had like a good buzz going. It wasn't nothing I couldn't shake off. I knew I could, I could shake it off. And uh, came home. Wound down. Took a shower. Kind of just chilled, relaxed for a couple hours before. Because we, we had to meet up at 6 to load up the equipment. And uh, honestly, I was starting to feel like out of it. I was just like exhausted just from being in the sun, from walking around, from just, just having the drinks, you know. Like you get that kind of a, it's almost like a crash from drinking a little bit. And... Uh, once we got down there, man, I was honestly, I could have taken a nap. That's how out of it I was. Which is not good. Consider, you know, I'm like, I need to be like charged up. I need to be ready to go on stage. We run down, we uh, get some food in us. We got there like two hours before we went on. Got all the equipment in. Went down, had some food. And now I don't like to eat before a show because you don't want to feel like that almost makes you even more tired. That just like wears you down. You don't want to be on stage with like a belly full of food. So I ate half my burger and uh, had a drink. Got down to Craft uh, Local. Shout out to Uber Brew, by the way, for the food. Uber Brew for the brews and the food because they were at uh, Brewfest as well. Great beers and awesome food. So we went down to Uber Brew, had food. Went back to Craft Local. We're watching the the opening guy. Really, I mean, he was just a solo guy uh, playing some covers, but really fun to watch him. And our people start kind of trickling in. We we packed the place like we always do. It was a you know full house, a lot of uh, no seats available. Now beforehand, like I said, I like we're starting to set stuff up. I'm starting to kind of feel it. I'm starting to get those those good nerves you know what I mean it's always good to have nerves when you're going on stage to do a performance so I'm feeling those good nerves um we're kind of talking about we were thinking about taking a break and then we decided maybe we shouldn't we ended up taking the break in the middle still but and it worked out perfect but okay let me just tell you this the last show we did I did not feel like it was personally my best performance at least as a front man you know like from a front man standpoint my talking my like crowd interaction trying to get the crowd up I don't know I talked about it before on the show but it just didn't feel like my best performance now vocally and and uh you know remembering my timings remembering like just be the lyrics all that stuff I was on point at the last show 
But I learned a lesson from the last show. Every every you know, not just you know, show. I'm talking it in a performance aspect, but with anything in life, you learn lessons, and you just have to take the little losses in that you experience and learn from them, and grow from them. And let me tell you, that's a hundred percent what I did. And I'm not, you know, before I talk about myself, because I hate honestly boasting. I hate talking about myself and like talking about my performance because I I guess it's, it's all like, I can only speak from my perspective as myself. I'm not, especially when it comes to music, I have, I am not on a high horse. I'm never on a pedestal. I'm very critical of myself, uh, especially when it comes to vocals. Like I'll, I'll give myself the credit when it comes to being a front man, when it comes to being, you know, lyrics and all that. I'm totally confident in all that. Vocally, I'll never boast about my vocals. Um, and I always like to be humble. Like humility is very key. I think if when you're humble, better you're you're likely to receive better acknowledgement from other people. You're likely to, you know, if you're not humble, it shows in your performance. You have to be humble. You have to, you know, not be prideful, not not act like you're the fucking man up on there on that stage or afterwards. So I I tend to not like to talk about myself a lot when it comes to this. Now before I do that though, I want to say the guys, the other guys in the band, Drew, Aaron, Justin, Lucas, they fucking killed it. It was awesome. The energy was there. The uh, everybody sounded great, played great. Drew did a uh, another um, Star Spangled Banner on the guitar, nailed it. Got a huge standing ovation. Well, obviously everyone was standing. It was the Star Spangled Banner, but you know he. Uh, it was a huge applause, and. Um, just the energy was there. Everyone was was feeling good. There was very you know very few fuck ups. I think the new song kind of sounded rough, but other than that, it was great. It was it was pretty pretty well done from everybody's perspective or everybody's uh, aspect. And I've always said that I work with the best musicians that I've ever worked with, and that stays true. We only keep getting better. Now let me go back to my performance because like I said this is what I can speak on for myself. I can't I can't really speak for everybody else. I know I always say everybody in the band does great. I'll never not say that. Those guys are incredible. But I'll talk about my performance here. Whatever the case may be, I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was the events that led up to it. I don't know if you know it's definitely a lot to do with the fact that I learned from the last show. And before this show, I sat and told myself just go up there and take control. Just be a front man. Like, even if you don't believe it yourself, even if you don't believe in what you're saying, you got to make them believe in what you're saying. And I've had trouble in the past where the the confidence doesn't show through. I'm up there saying a speech or I'm like trying to get the crowd to come up and and like join us up front or to like pump their fists or clap, you know, do whatever. Just trying to get the crowd interactions. 
And the confidence doesn't break through in the way I'm saying it, in my body language, what have you. I told myself before the show, fuck it all. Just put it all out on the table and let's see what happens. We already know what happens when you when you don't act confident. I've already seen it. I've already done it. It doesn't work. It brings the energy down. Last night, I was in rare form. I felt like it was 100% without a doubt my best like performance as a front man. As far as like getting the crowd involved, talking to the crowd, getting the energy up, you know, the the little speeches I would make actually came out very very fluid. I wasn't stumbling on my words because I was confident in what I was saying. I spoke confidently. I told every, you know, when I told people to get up, I was like, "Get the fuck up here. You got to be kind of authoritative. You got to make people like listening. If you're just like, "Oh, come on, please." Like, if you guys wouldn't mind, you know, maybe standing up. No, you got to be like, "Get your fucking asses up here. This is a fucking rock concert." We're going to give you 100% of what we got. You got to give us 100% of what you got. You know, you got to be that that character. You got to command the audience. You can't ask them. You got to tell them. And guess what, dude? It worked. We got more crowd interaction than we have probably ever gotten. We got every, we got a huge group of people to come up, mostly at the end. But like I said, we got the Star Spangled Banner. Everybody rose for that, of course, you know. But still, like, that was good crowd interaction. We got, you know... I, I even got them to, like, chant our name. There was, Cutthroat! You go, what's our name? Cutthroat! I got them to do a chant where it's like, repeat after me. I, I did the whole fucking, let me hear you from this side. Let me hear you from this. Dude, it was insane. Like, I had, honestly, half of that shit that I did last night was not premeditated. It was just in the moment. Because once you start feeling yourself up there, once it really starts, like, settling in, once you've kind of broken the barrier down, it's fucking all hands on deck. It's you've you've opened the the floodgates. So it's it it just was amazing. Like it, it really turned out. And what? Okay. So here's what's funny about that though. Another learning experience. Now now I, once again I'm not boasting here. I'm just saying I'm telling you the facts. That was a hundred percent my best performance as a front man. Having said that, I did fuck up a couple times in my timing. I I missed a couple of, of lines. I forgot some lyrics. I found my way back. It didn't fuck up the whole thing. And you just got to play it off. You know, you just got to like... Uh, there was one song I completely fucked up the first verse. Because I was getting so into it. I was I was like... You know, we're up there fucking headbanging, we're jumping, we're, the energy was so good. But it was like, I let that get in the way of my, you know, staying focused on the song. And so I just lost track and I missed my mark. So, here we have another learning experience. You gotta find the balance. I have to find that balance of... Being a, a strong front man, getting the energy, but still staying focused enough, not losing focus, and uh, 
still, you know, making my the the musical performance stand out. And don't get me wrong, I don't think it it, it at all affected. I I would rather have the performance stand out in a live setting than the musical performance. But you want both. You really want both. You don't want to fuck up a song, and I don't want to be the guy that fucks up one of our songs. And unfortunately, there was a couple times that I I, I won't say I fucked him up, but I I just didn't hit my mark. I didn't do my part. I didn't, you know, lift up my end of the of the song. So, overall, great show. Uh, the turnout was good. I won't say it was great because it did go late. The show went late, so I think a lot of people ended up kind of trickling out. Sold some merch, so that was awesome. We did sell some merch. We got, again, another time we had, like... A ton of people who had never seen us before showed up, which is awesome. You want that every time. You always want to have a new audience to play in front of. Granted, we had a few you know, reoccurring people, but there was people that come to almost all of our shows that didn't come to this show. So that's awesome. Next, you know, it's like next time they'll be there kind of a thing. So uh, overall, I, I say it was our best performance, our best night. I was living off a real high after that which is so funny because I felt so like dr- like down and lo- like kind of j- not down but just exhausted from the day and then once you're on that stage I gave more energy on that stage than I've ever given in any one of my performances jumping around head banging doing the whole thing and so that's my takeaway it was just it, 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 that was our best performance and that's what you want you just want to get better and better and better and that's what we're doing. So it is a goddamn miracle because we were drinking during the show. Like I said, I went and had a drink at dinner. I drank a couple beers at the show. I drank a few after the show. It is a goddamn miracle that I didn't wake up today with a hangover. I was drinking all day at Brewfest. Then I'm drinking at night. I went out after the show, had a couple brews. I didn't feel like I had a good buzz going. I didn't feel like super drunk, which is pretty rare because after shows, I tend to go a little hard and I don't know what it was. Maybe I just got exhausted after the show. I just felt like calling it a night. I didn't get home till like one o'clock. I didn't go to bed till almost three. I did sleep in, slept hard, no hangover, woke up feeling great this morning. Now, granted, I didn't have a hangover. I do, however, have a bangover. If you don't know what that is, it's when your neck goddamn hurts the next day after a show because you went a little bit too hard in the headbanging area. So, no hangover, but I got that bangover. And it's not that bad, honestly. It's not as bad as some of them. And I was going hard, man. I was thrashing my neck around. So, it's pretty... It's it's almost a miracle that my neck isn't killing me as much as it usually is. So it's a little sore though. But again, thank you to everybody who came out to the show. We do appreciate it. We always appreciate it without fan support. There's no, there's no music, you know, there's no reason for us to go out there and do it. We, we love doing it. We love doing it for us, but we really love doing it for you guys. If you don't know the band, you know, go check us out. We're Cutthroat. You can find us on YouTube. You can find us on Facebook. Follow for shows. We got a few more shows coming up in August. We got one August 13th 
at Andy's. So if you missed this show, you can catch us there. Like I said, if you've, if you've never heard of us, go check us out on YouTube. We got one of our songs, Divine Intervention, on there. I'll leave a link in the description. So, again, we much appreciate you coming out. And we hope to see you next time. Um, so, during the show, actually, one of our songs is called To the Lost. And I wrote that song, and I, and I always dedicate that song to, you know... There's a double meaning in that song. And the meaning is the people who we've lost, our loved ones who are no longer with us, but also the people who are, are with us who are feeling lost within themselves. So I'll, I'll usually shout out one or the other. It's It gets complicated when you try and do both. But um, last night I did a little tribute to the people who aren't with us anymore. And I want to shift that into telling you about my, you know, I've talked a lot about my grandma and my uncle. Um, their birthdays were just this last week. My uncle's was the 11th and my grandma's was the um, 15th. And so I just want to talk about them for just a minute. Like I always talk about them and I'll never not talk about them. Two, the, the single two most influential people in that have ever graced my life. Unfortunately, no longer with us. Um, but yeah, they had their birthdays. And I told you a, a while back, every every year I like to watch um, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? for my grandma on her birthday. I didn't watch it on her birthday, but I think I'm going to watch it tonight. Because I always like watching that movie on her birthday. It just Or near her birthday, I guess. Because it always just reminds me of her the music in that. We, well, we watched that movie so much together. And so it just takes me back to that. And that's like my, like just one connection I have with her. I was talking to a buddy the other day, actually. And I was thinking about it. It's so weird. The memories that we, you know, that stick heavily in our minds. Some of them are like not as significant as things that should be. You know, there, there's events that happened in my life with both those people with my uncle and my grandma that should stick out harder in my head but sometimes it's just the random ones sometimes it's just a few little things that that are very vividly stuck in your head let me give you an example we were talking the other day and this memory popped in my head this complete vivid memory that frequently comes into my head of my uncle this is probably one of my favorite, you know, times or just thoughts that pop into my head with my uncle. We used to be really into pro wrestling, WWE. We liked watching that. Well, my uncle lived in this really rinky-dink, you know, tiny, tiny trailer. And it was just one of those really old models where, like, the kitchen is... It's just tiny there's not even room for like a kitchen table kind of thing it leads right into the there's like no walls it's just like one straight shot there's like a bathroom and a bedroom one single bedroom kind of thing and i'm not even joking it's like so he, let me just give you the setup okay he would sleep on the couch there was the couch and then he had his tv and then i would sleep on this cot because i would go over on like friday nights and stay at his house 
and he had this like little army cot that he would like pull out for me to sleep on. I'd have a couple blankets and a pillow. It was perfect size for me. And it would sit right between the couch and the TV. Some some to to the point where there was no walking space. Like you couldn't walk around me. You had to like walk over me if you wanted to get to the to anywhere. So that's how small this place was. And we would watch Friday Night Smackdown on a little tiny tube TV. I'm talking, you know, the and the click button where you gotta like pull it, like the little pull tab to turn the thing on. Had the rabbit ears. And it was like this like really grainy, staticky kind of feed. Because I think it came in on like CW or Fox, one of the two. And yeah, so we'd watch Friday Night Smackdown. We didn't have cable, so we couldn't watch Raw. But we always stayed updated on the storylines that were going on with Smackdown. So like Undertaker, Batista, Rey Mysterio, those guys. And we would kind of watch just the storyline of that every Friday night. And I always remembered we'd buy a box of thin uh, wheat thins and spray cheese. And that's what we'd do. We would just sit there. He'd have some beers. I'd have some soda. And we would just eat wheat thins and watch SmackDown. And then, like, whatever would come on after that, we'd fall asleep to. And that is, like, one of the most vivid memories I have with that man. We've been to concerts, like, galore. And, yeah, I remember all that stuff. I remember my trip to San Diego with him, but it's these small ones. Like when I think back to that, I can like smell like whatever the, 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 his house smelled like I can taste the fucking crackers. I can hear Jim Ross's voice coming over that staticky feed. It's like the most vivid memory. And it's so random. Like granted, we did that a lot. I think, you know, really what it is, the reason we feel these moments and the reason we have them so vivid in our head is because some of those are the happiest times in our life. It doesn't have to be something like crazy, like a trip to San Diego. It doesn't have to be like this big wild moment because there's so many emotions going through your head when, when like crazy events happen, when big, you know, you're going to a, a football game, you're experiencing so much you're a fan, you're, you're, you're with family, you're, you're taking in the whole environment, all of that. You're, you're taking in so many emotions that it's like, that, that will trigger me to think of, you know, if I'm thinking of another thing. If I'm thinking about football, yeah, maybe I'll get triggered and like have a vivid memory of that game. Not so much with him. When I was with him in that moment, in that trailer, eating crackers, watching WWE, there's not a lot going on. It's just you. It was just me and him. And I was happy. You know, I felt nothing but joy. And so, therefore, that's a very vivid memory I have of him. And I think that's why. I think that's why we have, like, very uh, strong memories that are just random. And it's because those are just, like, your really happy moments that you share with people. And so... Yeah, I just wanted to talk about that. And it was funny. I was literally just talking about that with my friends. So I wanted to share it on the podcast too. Also, another thing I wanted to talk about, like with my grandma. So after my, um, one of my uncles, her, one of her sons 
passed away. She like brought up to us. She's like, it's so weird. I keep like finding dimes like everywhere. And I mean, I'm just like, I didn't think anything of it. I'm just like, okay, yeah, dimes are out there. Like that's a currency that probably often is found. I don't know. I didn't think anything of it, but she said to me, she was like, something tells me when I find these dimes that it's like some kind of connection to him. Like she feels like this spiritual connection to, to, um, her son when the, uh, when she finds dimes, I'm like, okay, I mean, that's cool. And I didn't really think a whole lot about it until she passed away. And when she passed away, I, since she passed away, it's not, not when, since I find dimes everywhere. And it's, it's one thing to say that you find them everywhere, but I'll find only dimes kind of, you know, obviously I find pennies, I find you know, other shit, but like, I'll find just a dime, not like a dime and a bunch of other stuff. It's just a dime. And I have found dimes in the absolute craziest places you'd ever imagine. I remember one time I was working at uh, McDonald's and I was like cleaning out the uh, ketchup, like the little ketchup packets. Cause they come in a little, you know, you, you, you put them in a, a little container thing that you can just grab them. I was cleaning that out. There was a dime at the bottom of this ketchup thing. How, like how, why was it there? So random. Just, and then that was five years ago. Skip ahead more than five years ago. That was forever ago. Skip ahead just a few weeks ago. I cut, I'm cutting out a windshield in some car. I pull the windshield out. There's a single dime sitting down on the dash where you wouldn't be able to see it from the inside unless the windshield was out. It's just sitting there. And every time I see a dime, I'm like, oh, there's grandma. Grandma's with me today. And I'll, I'll just carry a dime in my pocket. Like I'll, I'll have a dime with me to, uh, just to, um, feel like it's like a good luck charm or like that. My grandma's with me then when I worked at Olive Garden, what are the chances of this? Olive Garden Darden is the, is the, uh, parent company that owns Olive Garden. They have a, a little like charity event called Darden Dimes and what it is it's like every, it's kind of like a, a group pool that everybody kind of like you can sign up for and you can donate a dime or up to like five dollars out of your paycheck every month it's like you, you can like set the amount that you uh, donate to this like corporate pool and it's to help you know it's basically like a like a I don't know, a fund for for the whole corporation if somebody like is in financial strife and they need help then the then they can uh sign up for like a loan or not a loan, it's a it's like it's just assistance. They they'll they'll pay, they'll give you some money to help pay for for like 
whatever if you're just in financial trouble and you're an employee through Darden. It's not just Olive Garden. It's all the Darden corporations. But I just thought that was wild. I was like, oh, shit. Like, this place is a dime thing. And they give you a little dime pin that you, like, can wear on your lapel. So I wore that shit all the time. And guess what? When my uncle died, I applied for that. Dar- like, the whole time I was paying into that. Like, I don't remember what I- amount I had, like, set. But I had, like, signed up for it. Because you, you don't get the dime pin unless you sign up for it. And so when my uncle died, they gave me like a couple thousand dollars. It might've been a thousand dollars or like maybe 2000. I don't remember, but they gave me a a significant amount of money to help pay for his funeral. So the dimes thing just comes back full circle. And since he's passed away, I find even more dimes. So... I don't know. I just, I thought that was kind of cool. And that's my dime story. So I don't know. It, it, it's, it's, it's interesting. It definitely, uh, I find dimes all the time, man. And so, um, yeah, I just wanted to tell that story cause I, I thought that was a really cool, that's just a cool thing. That's, um, been a part of my life for, for some time now. So, Cheers to Grandma and to Uncle Don. Happy birthday. Um, okay, so now a little bit... Those I didn't really want to talk about death a lot. And I thought that, you know, talking to that last part, it really was a positive note. Like, it wasn't anything sad. And it's it, kind of crazy this is going to be a good transition because I was just talking about Olive Garden and talking about death. Um, I had thought about this recently so somebody that I used to work with at Olive Garden recently passed away very sad I totally it it was a shock to everybody it was it was kind of just random I think if I remember right she had like a heart attack or a stroke or something like that just in her sleep very sad she uh, I don't remember how old she was she she was like maybe in her 50s like it was just a shock. And I, you know, I, I haven't worked there for five years now, almost uh, four years, I guess. And I hadn't seen her in a while, but she was, she was very, you know, one of my favorite people to work with. Her name's Stacy. Um, she was one of my favorite people to work with. Uh, just a, a fun person to be around. And so I was, first of all, I want to say, you know, condolences to her family and, that uh, she'll be missed, like even for me, somebody who doesn't, you know, I'm I'm like nobody when it comes to like her life. So it's like, I just remember her as being a really good person, and so I just sent out my condolences to her family, and uh, yeah. So I just wanted to say that real quick, but also that led me to start thinking about this while I was working at Olive Garden. That that's aside, she wasn't even working at Olive Garden anymore. I just wanted to point that out because that was just kind of a transition point. Um, while we were, while I worked at Olive Garden, there kind of became this, this running theme that we ended up calling the Olive Garden curse. 
while I, I worked there for five years, I think. And in that time, a lot of people died that were that were currently working there. So we had this guy named I don't even know if I should say their names. Fuck it. I won't say their last names. We had this guy named Buddy. And he had like kind of just moved up from Colorado. And he um he was a funny guy. He was a he was a, a larger gentleman. He was funny. Always had fun time like just talking shit with him and you know we we would we had a good repertoire together. We, we it was he was just a funny guy. He was a good kind-hearted guy, funny guy. Um but apparently he had a a big drinking problem. I was not aware of this. Somebody had told me like he had come into dr- work drunk one day and like somebody had just said that he's he's had like problems with alcohol and this and that and I had no idea well one day buddy comes into work and I'm not joking looked like a lemon like I've never seen somebody so yellow I didn't know it was possible I thought that was fake he looked like a Simpsons character I've never seen somebody with a color change like that Literally from his head, in his hands, everywhere. And he looked like a zombie. He comes in, and he, he's clocking in. And I looked at him, and I was like, I don't know how the fuck he even drove there. I don't know how he... I don't know how anybody let him through the door. But he comes in, and I like I don't know if I was the first person to see him or what, but he's clocking in. I look at him. I looked him right in his, like saggy eyes because he looked like he was a zombie I looked into his eyes and I said buddy you need to leave you need to go to a hospital because you're going to die and unfortunately that's what happened the last words I said to that man were you're going to die and I do not feel good about that but that was something that was terrifying. I couldn't believe I couldn't believe how bad it had gotten. Like, he, literally, one day he's fine. The next day, his liver's just gone. His liver's basically nothing. And so, yeah, unfortunately, so he passed away. And then we had another guy who had alcohol issues, and he died of liver failure. Um, we had a manager who committed suicide and he was like that was that blew everyone away um he because he was a really funny guy like he was a light-hearted guy always was making like uh cookies for people and like making food for us just a really cool laid-back manager and yeah, he just didn't show up for work a couple days. They sent a welfare check out. And yeah, he had fucking killed himself. I remember exactly where I was when my general manager called me. I was sitting there watching football, specifically watching a Baltimore Ravens game. Don't know who they were playing. But I just remember it was the Baltimore Ravens. I'm sitting on my bed just watching Sunday football. I get a phone call from work. And I'm like, I, I usually didn't answer for work because it's usually them trying to get me to come in. 
But something told me to answer that phone. I pick it up, and it's my general manager, and he goes, Hey, Dakota, uh, this is Steve. I'm like, hey, what's up, man? He goes, oh, not much. Uh, what, what are you up to? And I was like, oh, I'm just sitting here watching some football. Like, that's not something he would say. Usually it would be like, hey, so we're kind of short-staffed, you know. He'd just get right to the, the chase. He wouldn't ask me, like, what I'm doing. Like, how's, how's your day going? But he's just like, man, I just got to tell you. Um, so Yeah, I'm not going to say his name, but so-and-so passed away. Um, and, and I, I literally went, what? Cause he was a young guy. He wasn't older and we, we didn't know exactly what happened until a few days later, but yeah, I just went, what? And I was in absolute shock and I guess they had a big group meeting at work and some people had to get like trauma counseling and shit for that. But yeah. And then we had a guy come from like out of town to like another Olive Garden to fill in for him while we found a replacement. Then he left and died like a few weeks later. Now he was an older gentleman, but yeah, he died too. So it's just like the curse of Olive Garden, man. I'm glad I got out when I did. Fuck. I've never, ever worked in a place that had that many fatalities. Not even from work. There's just random... They're just out of the work deaths. I've never worked somewhere where like that many coworkers in that short of a time passed away. Granted, we had a lot of turnover there, but I, I mean, I'm talking about people who were there for a while, who, who spent a good, you know, months, a few months to where we knew their names. Fuck man. Yeah. And we had a fucking, the other, um, the kid that died on the lime scooter. He worked at Olive Garden too. We talked about that on the episode with Lexi and uh, Janae. So, god damn, dude. <laughs> I forgot about that one as far as like a being an Olive Garden person. Woo! Glad I got out of there when I did. Just keep sending me dimes, Grandma. Protect me. Protect me. I'll be carrying dimes in my fucking shoes, in my socks. Just keep me away from that Olive Garden curse. Um, let's see here. Let's talk about, oh, okay. No, I actually, I want to talk about the UFC. So get a little sports talk in here. Obviously I'm a big UFC fan. I've talked about it a lot. Um, I talked about the last fights on the, uh, good old boys podcast with Mac, but I want to talk about it on this podcast too. I'm not going to get too in depth about it. Everything that's needs to be said has been said. Um, let's just talk about the Connor fight, the Connor and Dustin fight, really, because that's that's all that needs to be talked about. I'm a huge Connor fan. I've always been one. I've and I and I'm not not a Connor fan. You know, I'm still I'll, I'm a ride or die Connor fan. But I gotta say, this whole thing with him, you know, all the shit talk, him bringing up Dustin's wife. I don't, that doesn't sit well with me. I'm not a fan of that. And that really kind of put a, a sour taste in my mouth. Cause he went from being this, like, you know, that was always him before. He was always a trash talker. It was always very entertaining. He never really attacked families as much. He kind of did with, uh, Khabib, I guess. So that's not out of the realm of his like wheelhouse to talk about that stuff, I suppose. But the trash talk was always part of his game. 
then he had some kids, kind of became a family man, and started like shedding that, that uh, late, you know, that moniker. And so he was being more respectful of a fighter. The way he fought uh, Donald Cerrone, he was very respectful, and he ended up winning that fight. And then he goes and does the same with Dustin. He was he did the respectful Connor shtick. And he lost. Well, then he think you know he comes in and decides, okay, well maybe I gotta get back to the the old Connor and start talking shit and being a loud mouth and being disrespectful, trying to get into his head. Guess what? It didn't work. Now a lot of people say, oh you know, and even I said it. I said it when the fight happened, like the leg break. He broke his leg. It was a freak accident, and they gotta do they gotta run it back. Well, that's the Connor fan in me. I went back and I rewatched it. That leg break was a hundred percent due to the fight. The leg got checked in the fight a couple times. There was one on the elbow. There was one on the on the thigh. The leg got checked and it got compromised and then it broke. So it was a result of the fight. If you ask me, that trilogy's done. There's nothing to be had there. That, that won't stop Dana White and Conor McGregor from pursuing that from happening. But Conor's not going to be back in the octagon for another year if he ever comes back. And if he does, it's going to be Conor versus Nate Diaz. That's what it should be. The Dustin stuff is done. Like, let Dustin go off. Let him go win the, the lightweight title. And let him have his career. The Conor stuff is done. We don't need to see it again. I don't like that. The thing I don't like about this this like new persona of Con- or this this changed persona of Connor, I should say, from going from being like the the cocky loudmouth you know shit talker that we all know and love, to being this respectful, you know, shake your hand, I appreciate you, I, I respect you, fighter, to back to the the shit talker, it all seemed very authentic up until then. It's so manufactured. It's so fake for him to to switch it up again. And it showed. It and it it didn't make us feel any at least it didn't make me as a Connor fan feel any more like love for him. We I would have respected him more if he stayed the respectful Connor and and lost the fight. Cuz now I I it doesn't work at all. It only works if you win. It only works if if your little like mind tactics actually worked, and it didn't. It doesn't come down to that. It comes down to your skill in the ring, and it just so happens that right now Dustin Poirier is a better fighter. Connor's not active enough. Connor doesn't. He's not on the same level as Dustin right now, and I hate to say that because I'm a huge Connor fan, and you know what? I'm a huge Dustin fan too. I really like Dustin Poirier, and so. It's just true, though. Like, they're not on the same level phys- uh, as far as, like, the fight game goes right now. And I hate to say, I think Connor's time is is just... It's done. Like, the, the torch is being passed. I think Connor should fight... I, I would like to see Connor fight one or two, maybe two more times. And I can only really see it being, like, Nate Diaz and maybe, like, a Jorge Masvidal or... 
I guess maybe another Dustin fight. I don't think that works, but there's nobody really that maybe Tony Ferguson that might be okay. You know, there's some fights there, I guess, but not a lot, not a lot. And so I just think it's, it's almost done. And that was another funny thing I thought about too. Basically the three of the biggest draws in the UFC Three of the biggest like pay-per-view sellers, the guys who get, uh, who have like big wild fan bases. That being Conor McGregor, Nate Diaz, and Jorge Masvidal. All three of these fighters, huge draws, huge fan bases. Look at their win-loss in the last three years. Nate, Nate lost to Jorge. Nate lost to Connor. Nate beat Connor. Nate just lost to, to uh, Leon Edwards. Jorge just lost twice to to Usman. Connor's lost twice to Dustin, and before that to Khabib. They don't win. These guys aren't like so. You got to almost pit them against each other, really, because that's the super fight. Somebody's gonna win. So pit them against each other. I think I saw where... Oh, yeah. Nate just called out Dustin. I don't like that fight. I think that that's... Dustin needs to just stay in the lightweight division and rule the lightweight division. Don't go up and fight uh, Nate, which I actually think Dustin would beat Nate. But, yeah. make Do Connor Nate 3. Like, let, it, let that happen, and, like, that's it. That's all you need. There's nothing more to do after that in the fight game for Connor. And then I guess the fourth guy I would put on that list as far as like a draw with a big fan base is Israel Adesanya, and he does win fights. Adesanya is the other the the one guy in there that that is the draw that wins fights. Now here's the problem: you got people like who, in my opinion, is pound for pound the single best fighter in the UFC right now, Kamaru Usman. Kamaru Usman is easily the the pound for pound best fighter. Say what you will about John Jones. John Jones ain't fighting. When he comes back and fights, then we'll talk. Uh, Francis Ngannou, another guy who's on the rise as far as like a big seller and like a big fan base, but he's he's not there yet. He's on the rise. He just became champion. Usman's defended that belt what five, six times. Kamaru Usman, single best, the single pound for pound best fighter in the UFC. Bar none. Don't give up. There's nobody going to convince me otherwise. The toughest division in the UFC. One of the toughest divisions. And he's just run ransack over everybody. He's lapping guys. He's having to fight Colby twice now. And he's going to he's gonna beat the shit out of Colby. Adesanya's up there. Nganu's up there. Rose Namanunas is up there. None of these guys get the respect they deserve except Adesanya. Adesanya has built a fan base. Adesanya's up there. But... Usman, Nganu, Nganu's getting the res- he's he's starting to get the respect. These guys are respected. I don't think like they're not the draws in the fucking uh, casual fan base. Nganu, uh, Usman, Rose, those are like fight fan favorites. Those are guys that fight fans respect and and are the same as me. They think that those guys should be the the draws, but they're not like the casual fan draw, like a Connor or a. Um, Masvidal. I'm, and I'm sure I'm missing some other names in there. There's 
I would like to say Volkanovski, but no. Um, Brandon Moreno just became cha- like the the bantamweight. Uh, Sugar Sean O'Malley. There's another guy who's on the rise for sure. Sean's gonna be the next. You know, he's he's on his way to being one of the next like. Connors, as far as like, he's not quite there yet, but he's definitely. It's funny. He's more. I would say based on casual fan base, and um. Just just being that guy. Uh, Sean is closer to being that than Usman is. And I guess you could say it's just because Usman isn't like a flashy guy outside the ring. He doesn't do a lot of talking. Guys like Nganu and Usman, they're workers in the ring, in the octagon. They fucking... They do their talking with their fists and make highlight reel knockouts, which is great. But then you got a guy like Sean who has highlight reel knockouts and is a figure outside of the octagon. And that's the same with Adesanya. Adesanya is the same way. So I see it where those guys are kind of going to be the the new faces. It's going to be Sean O'Malley, Israel Adesanya, and it should be Usman and Nganu too. And who knows, Nganu could very easily become one of those guys as well. I think he's on the up and up. But yeah, so that's kind of the where where the UFC is at right now. I just wanted to kind of talk some UFC, and I mostly wanted to talk about the fact that like I just think it's weird that all those guys are draws and they don't win fights, but then you got other guys that just are fucking murderers, and they don't get the respect they deserve. They get the respect from the the UFC faithful, but not from the casuals. Usman, by the way, not a boring fighter. He has some of the best fights I've ever seen. And so I don't know what the tale on that would be. So, um, Let's see. We still got a little bit of time here. Let's close it the same way we brought it in, talking about concerts. Now, I talked about my concert the last at the beginning of the show. But let's bring back a little segment that I have not done for a very long time. We're bringing out the old concert ticket book. So if you're not familiar, I'm going to flip through this and I'll pick out a concert ticket. And because like I've always said, every concert has a story. So um, yeah, let's, uh, let's talk some concerts. And now here's the problem. I don't remember which ones I've talked about. So I'm just going to pick the ones that I don't. That I'm almost certain I didn't talk about. Um. Okay, I'll talk about this one. The very first Shinedown concert I ever saw. I'm pretty sure I, I never... I'm almost positive that I never talked about that. So the very first Shinedown concert. This is the second concert I ever went to. Um, It was at the 12th Planet, which used to be an old dance club that never made it off the ground. They used to do concerts there. And it was me, my Uncle Don, and my sister Asia. We were little. This was like 2006. So I was in sixth grade. I specifically remember I was in sixth grade because I remember telling everybody like at recess, oh yeah, I'm going to this concert at this nightclub. And they're like, what? Like they, none of them like had any idea. I was doing this shit when nobody was. I was very fortunate. 
And so, and Asia would have been like, what, in fourth grade? Something like that. So she was little. Um, I, this is crazy. Like, I have the worst memory, but like all, all of that just gets like blocked out by all my knowledge of music and sports. Like sports and music knowledge just cram my brain so much that I forget people's names and I forget, you know, what I was talking about five seconds ago. I remember the exact lineup and some of these bands you wouldn't even like have heard of. The opening band you definitely heard of was Hailstorm. Hailstorm was the first band. This was like when they were brand, brand new. Nobody had heard of them at this point. Second band was a band called Mercy Fall, who ended up being nobody really. And then it was Trapped and Shinedown closed it. Trapped was supposed to be the headliner, but for some reason Shinedown ended up headlining, which was awesome. This was off their second album. So I got to see some like, so- the first two albums are my favorite albums. So I got to see songs in that in that concert that I... I'll never get to see again because, you know, they're just, they only had so much songs they could work with. So they were taking deep tracks from the first and second album, which was awesome. Um, so yeah, I'm sitting here watching some of my favorite songs that I'll, you know, like I said, never get to see again. During Hailstorm, Lizzie Hale comes out. There's the first, this is the first person, the first band Asia's ever seen live she comes out immediately like doing this acapella just like yeah like just going hard and Asia starts freaking out she's like crying Don had to take her back into like the back area and be like hey you gotta fucking stick this one out man like you can't you can't back out of this we're here we're doing this and she was like so scared cause like she'd never experienced anything like that and me and her are sitting up on this upper deck balcony area. And uh, Don ended up going down into like the, the lower part for a while. While me and her were just kind of chilling up there. I had this big Shinedown sign. I'm holding it out. And Brent Smith, the lead singer of Shinedown, fucking pointed at me. Because I held that out on their last song. It just said Shinedown. And he fucking pointed at me. I'll never forget that. And then years later, I shook his hand. Got to meet him in a Walmart of all fucking places. My least favorite place to meet my most favorite band. But yeah, that was pretty awesome. Let's see what else we got. I don't think I ever talked about Tool. Um, I went and saw Tool. It was 2007 is what this ticket says. November 2007. My cousin Gabriel, who's a huge Tool fan, he came up. To, to see the show I kind of it bugs me man because I didn't like I, I knew the the 10,000 Days album which is still probably one of my favorite albums I knew that album I didn't really know a lot of the other stuff I knew a little bit of Anima but um, I wish I would have known more of their stuff just cause I became you know I obviously know more of them now and it's the only time I ever got to see Tool but here's what I'll say about Tool it, yeah, it was right around Thanksgiving. So we, we had Thanksgiving and then we we saw Tool and all this. Best light show I've ever seen. They had these fucking awesome lasers that like were just hitting the ceiling and then they'd come down. Like we were on the floor. So the lasers would like come down like this and like do like a hash, like a um, 
across. Going, some going this way, some going this way. And you would only be able to see it if you're on the floor because you're looking up and you're just seeing this like checkerboard of of uh, laser lights. That was fucking epic. And one of my all-time favorite bands. Got to see that. Easily the best light show I've ever seen. What do we got on here? Okay, yeah, we'll do Rob Zombie and Alice Cooper. Best, like, theatrical stage performance I've ever seen was Alice Cooper. That was amazing. And then you got Rob Zombie, who's always good. But Alice Cooper, man, that, that was, like, basically watching, like, metal on Broadway. You know, he's, like, got big balloons coming out. He's got, like, a sword, and he's just, like, popping these balloons and confetti's popping out of him. He's all, you know, wearing his, his get-up and... He's walking around popping these balloons with a sword. And then, like, you know, during his act, he kills himself, like, three or four times. He gets his head chopped off. It's like a magic-type act. He gets his head chopped off, and then, like, he hangs him. He gets hung. And there was some other stuff, too. But it was, like, this big theatrical performance. Very, very cool. Seeing Alice Cooper. And then Rob Zombie does a great job, too. Pyrotechnics like a motherfucker. And... A lot of boobies for Rob Zombie concerts. Uh, let's do one more since we're getting kind of close to the end here. Hmm, what should we do? Um, okay, we'll do. No, wait, wait, wait. Hmm. Yeah, we'll do uh, Black Label Society. So, I don't remember if I talked about this one or not, but if I did, I'm talking about it again. Went and saw Black Label Society. I've seen Black Label Society three times. Uh, went and saw them with Aaron, the bass player of Cutthroat, my cousin. Um, it was like, he had just come to, like, just moved to Billings. It wasn't long after he moved to Billings. And... We went and saw Black Label Society, Zach Wilde. We ended up standing on, like, the right-hand side of the stage, which I never do. I, I usually always go left-hand or center. But we go to the right-hand side. Um, first of all, I remember this blind guy just starts, like, punching some dude. I don't know what was happening, but he was blind. And he's just, like, wailing on some guy. That was strange. But the biggest memory I have, Zach Wilde comes down. So in the center of the pub station, there's like this table on like this pillar. It's like a big table. So he comes out. He's surrounded by like security guards. And they're like making a path for him. He Zach Wilde walks right by us. Just playing his guitar. And I pat him on the shoulder. Just like, fuck yeah, dude. He turns around and looks at me like... I didn't think that was going to work. I didn't think I was going to like pat him and he'd like actually acknowledge me. I just thought he'd like feel that and just keep going. Like who gives a fuck? He turns around, stares me in the eye and I'm like, Oh shit. Like I didn't expect this. So I just go, I'm like, and like he nods at me and turns around and goes, stands up on this, uh, table and he's just fucking shredding guitar. I got a picture of me and Aaron, like with, with Zach Wilde right behind us. It was, that was pretty epic. So, one of the one of the greatest guitar players of all time. So yeah, um, I think that'll do it for concert tickets this week, or not this week, but this uh, this round until we ever do it again. Who knows when that'll be? But I thought that'd be a good way to close the show. Give you a couple concert stories. Can't wait for live shows again. Like 
just went to that Aaron Lewis concert, but like I'm ready for some fucking metal shows, some good ones. I, I think I'm gonna go see Beartooth here whenever that is, middle August. So that'll be fun. Um, yeah, that'll do it for this week. Thank you guys for listening. As always, I do appreciate it. Hope you stuck around at the end. If you didn't, it is what it is. And um, let's see. Yeah, just be just be positive. Live your life to the fullest. Uh, shoot for your goals, man. Set a goal and try and obtain it, man. Be positive. Life isn't fun when you're unhappy. We know this. We know unhappiness isn't a fun thing. So why do we want to live like that? Change it. Do whatever you can. Change change what you got to do to make your life positive. Um cuz we want we all want to live that good life. You know what I mean? I think that's everybody's goal. So keep your chin up, put a smile on your face. Let's live in this world together. Let's be happy. Let's be happy in it. Um Because we all know, life's a garden. Dig it.